I was going to put help wanted signs up all over just to got, you know, to get you guys ready for my sermon. Then, but then with Micah leaving, I thought, oh, that probably wouldn't look so good. It looked kind of weird. But, you know, the whole idea is with that God wants our help. You know that? Yes. I mean, and I think oftentimes we've, we've been part of the church and we just assume like coming to church, it's a good thing and it's a valuable thing. But can I tell you as a pastor, uh, number one, that uh, the pastor's only mentioned one time in the Bible. So I'm not that important. <laughs> but I am important. But at the same time, we, make, we can make too big of a deal about the church instead of the harvest field. We get focused on what the work is, is to make sure Sunday morning is so awesome and amazing and the pastor with his skinny jeans and the LED screens and the smoke machines and everything's awesome. And we work real hard to make that happen. And then we just come back next week and we make sure we do the same thing over and over again. That's not, the, that's not our job. That's not the work. I don't have anything against, I like LED screens. I want, I want the touch one. Well, actually I probably could. Go ahead and move the slide. Just, you know, just, okay. My next slide, come on. There. It's all smoke and mirrors here. Um, but you understand what I'm saying? When we talk about the harvest, our scripture that we've been on for the last six weeks, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. So the work is there. Like, we're, we're not in, a, we're not in a, a, a work shortage right now. We're in a labor shortage. But the laborers are few. And remember, Jesus said, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So Jesus is asking for prayer. If you ask, what's Jesus, what's Jesus asking for right now? For laborers. For you and I to understand our purpose on this planet yeah. is to share the good news. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. You don't have to get people saved. You're not that good. I'm not that good. But you have to tell people the good news. You have to tell them. You're called to tell them. But you don't have to get them saved. That's not your job. Now, what's the difference? Jesus does the saving work. He does it. But we have the responsibility to tell the world. So the work of the body of Christ is not to build the church. Remember, Jesus said, I will build the church. Jesus will do that. That's his job. Our job is to go and share the good news of Jesus. That's our call. And there's four things I want to mention today. And the first thing is clarity. I am a theologian, I'm a nerd, I love to study the Greek and the Hebrew, and I love to get to the simple, basic message of God's Word. I find some theologians, they're so full of pride and arrogance and everything they know, they make me sick. <laughs> I'm like, big deal, what you know? Are you putting it into practice? So I have a, I, my heart is, I want to make the gospel, and it is simple. And I don't want to have a complicated gospel where you need to know all these complicated terms to be able to get to people. And it's been sad that how many of us have spent years in a church and never heard the simple gospel? Come on. Amen. I've, I've, I've taught people for years. I remember one guy in a, a meeting one time, he goes, why didn't any, he was like 80 years old. Why didn't anybody tell me this before? Exactly. <laughs> because the enemy gets in to churches and into leadership, and they get them off on some complicated stuff, some bad theology or some rituals 
that mean absolutely nothing. And people get into these rituals, and then they finally hear the word of God, and, they're, and they think, wow, this is what I'm called to do. God wants to co-labor with us on this planet. He's called you to, be a, to, to crush the enemy's head here on this planet. You're an assistant head crusher to Jesus. That's, that's what your purpose is, your plan. You're an assist, a, 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 a assistant physical physician. I mean, you're an assistant physician. You have the authority to heal, to deliver, to cast out demons. You have the authority to pray and see things happen. So God's calling us, but there needs to be clarity. And many of us, we just never been told this is our job. This is, this is what we're called to do. And so I'm telling you, as, can, I, can, I, can you lean in a little bit to what I'm saying today? That this is your job. He wants your help. Yeah. <laughs> and aren't you glad when you work for somebody? How many ever had a good boss before? He made sure you had all the tools that you needed, that you were paid well, that everything was taken care of, because you worked for the best boss ever. Yeah. And many times we're not receiving from the Lord what we need because we're not working for him. We got mixed up in something that we shouldn't be mixed up in. Can I step on your toes? You can say amen or ouch, either one. <laughs> I came in a good mood this morning, but my car is parked right out that door. It's running just in case I have to get in quick and get out of here. So, amen. Colossians 4, 3 through 6 says, and Paul is saying this. He says, at that same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear. Everybody say, make it clear. Which is how I ought to speak. There is, a, there is a need for us to make the simple gospel declaration. And this is something that it takes, it takes time to simplify these things. But each and every one of us can be trained how to share the message of Jesus. How many want to be equipped and prepared uh, and be able to speak truth and be able to help people remember where we were. Remember where you and I were without Christ. Think about that. When we didn't know and we didn't understand and somebody had the, the guts to come and tell us and share with us the truth and we received it. And look where we are now. Thank God. Come on. How many can remember the person who led them to Jesus? Can you remember that person who shared Jesus? Come on, let's just give God some thanks for that person. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, when somebody led me to the Lord, and both Deb and I know this person. Uh, this person, his name was John Son. He, had, he, had, he, was, he was the type of person, you know when you hang out with some people, you get into a little bit of trouble? When you went out with John's son, you got into a lot of trouble. And he got his life radically changed. He went away, and he came back, and he's the one, even though he was the biggest rascal of our whole high school, he's the one who shared the gospel with me. All right? He made that decision. And, and I, again, I want to be the miracle. I want to be that person that says, oh, I remember when so-and-so shared the gospel with me. That was my moment. I gave my life to Jesus. See, we're praying for miracles to come to us, but what if you became the miracle of somebody else's life? That's where our prayer should be shifting right now. And this is such a season for us to do that. And you know, as a pastor, we're involved in politics. We're involved in, in dealing with the government. You know, if, if, 
if your pastor, if you hear a pastor tell you that the church is not to be involved in government, they're actually quoting Hitler. They're actually quoting Adolf Hitler. That's what he told all the pastors. You preach the gospel and don't get involved in government. How many know I don't listen to Adolf Hitler here? <laughs> he is not Hail Fuhrer, all right? It's Hail Jesus. So, but can I tell you this? On the other hand, what's going to change our country is when our country is evangelized. The government produces laws that punish people after they do the crime. But the gospel arrests their heart before they commit the crime. I would rather be here preaching the people, giving that people that ability to have conviction so they don't do the crime that they ought not to commit. So our job is to get into the harvest and to speak truth, be equipped, and be ready. Now, this is what Paul says. He says in Colossians 4, 3 through 6, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So there is a wisdom when it comes to evangelism. We're called to be the salt of the earth. Now, I love salt. That's my one fault is salt, and it rhymes. And when it rhymes, it's God. So it's weird. Salt is added to your life. Salt is not what you just eat. You don't go and have a meal of salt. And salt is, in the Bible, it means salt represents friendship. There's only one offering in the scriptures that you add salt to, and it's to represent a friendship. So when some people are giving the gospel, we don't want to be too salty. We want to have flavor to our life. We want to be taking care of our bills, washing our car, <laughs> taking care of business in our life, and Jesus is our salt to our life. Is that making sense to anyone? So it's important that, that we walk, it says to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. You know, you can't take authority over the devil if you don't have authority over the pots and pans in your sink. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't do that. God's not called, I'm not, you know. You, you have to live your life and realize that part of your life is being both full of heaven and down to earth. How many know that's our logo here at Gateway Church? Full of heaven, but down to earth too. We are the salt of the earth. Take care of your business. Work hard. Do what needs to be done in the natural, but flavor it with salt. You see, there, we need to have a very clear message when we take it to the world. We can't... Uh, I want to just share an interesting story because... Uh, like this Saturday, we'll go out, and I hope that you all come. <laughs> 10.30, Hunger Relief Center, and we go out with the bands and the Bibles, and we minister to people. We pray, God, who do you want us to reach out to? And we train you. We're not going to throw you under the bus this week, um, but, but next week, yeah. So can I tell you a story? One of my first, one of the funniest stories about evangelism is uh, when I came to Christ, I came to Christ uh, radically and when I was in uh, Penn State University and I had an encounter with God I think I shared that with you I didn't really understand it but then I was uh, somebody presented me the clear message of the gospel and I made an individual choice to follow Jesus and can I tell you if you're here today and you've never 
you can't tell me when you came to Jesus, can I tell you that that probably means you never really have. If you can't remember the moment where you individually said yes to Jesus, I'm going to question your salvation. That sounds mean, but it's truth. Because that's what salvation is. Salvation isn't just coming to a church and sitting here every week and hearing good stuff. Uh, you no longer become a, a Christian by showing up at church. Then you turn into a hamburger when you show up at McDonald's. It just doesn't just happen. It should be, a, you should remember exactly, I remember the moment I gave my heart to Jesus. So when I was in college, I was taking an English class. I think it was a, a class. And we had to, what we had to do is we had to do a, uh, okay, think this through. It was a step-by-step -step instruction. And, it, you know, you could choose anything. You could choose how to uh, plant a, a tree. You could choose how to build a house. And it had to be a step-by-step, -step, and you had to write it out. And this, was my, this was my English assignment. So being, you know, the salty person that I am, I decided, well, I'm going to choose to make up a way of evangelizing, a step-by-step -step of how to evangelize somebody and how to win them to Christ. And I, and I had to compare them. So there was... Uh, one was called the four laws. Anybody ever hear the four spiritual laws? I said, well, here's the four spiritual laws. And then I made up my own way of leading people to Jesus. And uh, I have a picture up here of two glasses of, uh, and, I, and this, is what my, this is what I did for my presentation. You guys ready? I feel like I'm back in college now in my English class. So, so what, I, what I did is said, um, here's God. God's perfect. He's pure. There's nothing in him that's unclean, impure. And then here is us. Man, because of sin, we have, we have become impure. And God wants to become one with man, but there's a problem. If man is poured into God right here, what's going to happen to God? He's going to be impure. He's, he's going to take on our impurities. And so what has to happen is, is there's called the, the filter, that was pretty good. Um, Jesus is the filter that goes over this glass. And so for us to come into God, we must first go through the filter of Jesus. And he's the one who takes all our impurities away so that we can become one with the Father. All right. So I, I made up this step-by-step -step program. And so, you know, I turned it in. I, I mean, sure, the English teacher was like, eh, B or so. I don't know what she gave me. But this is the funny part. Then they said, okay, now I want you guys to get in groups right now. And I want you guys to choose one of the step-by-step -step papers. And out of the group, just choose which, which one that you will do and actually go out and practice those things. So I thought, okay. So I go into my group. And I'm like the, sitting down. And here's my group. And I go, well, hey, I did on how to win people to Jesus. And uh, they're all like, uh, yeah, we'll probably won't do that one. And so the next three papers that were done were so completely impossible and not doable that what happens at the end of that meeting, they all decided that they were going to go out and witness with me, even though they weren't believers. <laughs> and they were going to do the comparison. And so I thought to myself, because, you know, one was like changing a tire. And they're like, oh, we can't do this. The other one was like, Riding a horse, like, well, how are we going to do that? And the other one was just, you know, just crazy stuff. And I'm just thinking, thank you, Lord. And so here we are. I had a bunch of unsaved people out witnessing Jesus 
to their unsafe friends so that they could get an A on their project. I don't know. Do it again, Lord. He has a sense of humor. And that's what we have to do. 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. That's what he says to do. All of us are called to do the work of evangelist. And as a pastor, sometimes a pastor can get comfortable because, oh, I've got the 99 here and I won't go out there and go after the one. And can I tell you, the Lord has already scolded me on that. Did I tell you the vision I had one day? I, I was in this classroom and I walked up to the desk. I, I was getting my paper back from the teacher and on the, on the uh, paper it said 99. And I said, yes. And then next to it was an F. He said, you got 99, but if you don't go after the one, you failed in my sight. God corrected me as a pastor. I said, okay. So we're going to focus on reaching the lost. Number two, first of all, we need love. The sec the, or first of all, we need clarity. The second thing we need is love. Probably the first thing we need is love, but anyway. So we have to remember that God wants a body to work through. T.L. Osborne, who had, uh, is a great healing evangelist in Africa. Has anybody ever heard of T.L. Osborne or Christ for the Nations? He said this, how can God's spirit communicate his message to human persons without a Christian to express himself through? What can Jesus Christ do in any town or community without a body to function through? You are his body. We are his body. He wants to dwell in us, and he wants to work through us. He wants to partner with us. He wants to become fully embodied in his church. Isn't that good news? What I love about his spirit, his spirit like fills the container, the shape of the container, like a liquid. It takes the shape of the container. When God fills you with his spirit, he takes your shape, your style. You may not do things the way I do, but you're still called to do the work of the evangelist. You're still called to speak, share truth, tell the truth, tell the gospel. That's your job, and let Jesus do the rest. Paul says this, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in heavenly tongues of angels, yet I did not express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but I had never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor, and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, without pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. We're called in the Bible to speak the truth in love. And it's our responsibility to speak what is true. There's a confused generation out there. We're doing no one a favor by holding back the truth from anybody. We have pe people who are confused about their identity, their sexual identity, their gender identity. I've called this a gender bender, right? The people are having gender benders all the time instead of fender benders. That's not reality. People come to you and say, I'm identifying as this. No, you're pretending to be that. And you're asking me to deny reality, and I won't do that because I love you. Because I'm not helping you. When people identify as something other than what God created them to be, that's, that's a mental illness. There's deep trauma that people need to be spoken to. I'm not saying we don't do it in love, but don't, don't ask me to deny reality. 
If you can choose your own pronouns, and I can choose my own adjectives. And I'm beautiful, I'm gorgeous, I'm majestic. Is it true? Uh, yeah, my wife would say so. But, but I, I can't force those adjectives on you. That, would be, that wouldn't be right of me. And, don't, and that's wrong of anybody to force some pronoun on you that it actually denies science and denies reality. How I many know I'm not afraid to speak truth to you because I love you? And I love the people that are caught up in that mess, but I'm not going to enable anybody. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's not about being super smart or having it all together, because uh, none of us do. God wants you to be available, available for him to use you and to speak truth. Number three, I want to tell you that we need to have love, but we need to look for those opportunities. And you may say, evangelism, it's not for me. You're absolutely right. It's not for you. It's for the lost. You're already saved. <laughs> Has nothing to do with you. That's where we learn to die to ourselves. It does take work. It does take effort. But we have a good boss. There's some breakthroughs that haven't happened in your life because you're not evangelizing. There's some financial breakthroughs that haven't happened in your life because you're not evangelizing. You're not doing the work of the evangelist. You're not working for the Father. <laughs> Can I lean into you a little bit this morning? You guys still love me? Do I need to run out of here real quick? <laughs> so I want to encourage you. Like, if, if you want breakthrough, step out. T.L. Osborne said this, After Christ was crucified, he returned in the form of the Holy Spirit to take up his abode in human beings as his temple. So you have what you need to evangelize. You have everything you need. He has sent you his Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power, everybody say power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now that's the Greek word dunamis. And a lot of people said that has the connection to dynamite. It really doesn't. I, sometimes we over-spiritualize everything. It just means he's given you the ability. You are now able to do your job. <laughs> how many glad you? How many have ever been in a job before where you just didn't have the ability to do it? It's not like you're walking into a, a brain surgeon and here's the knife. And go ahead. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. No. He's given you the ability to do that. He says, and you will receive this ability when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I, you are now made able and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I think what the Lord says there is he's going to use you in your own hometown. He's going to use you in your own neighborhood. He's going to use you in your own region. And he's also going to use you to the ends of the earth. You know, next year we're going to be doing some training programs to help you guys get prepared to go on mission trips. And we want to see you guys. Head, how many want to go to the ends of the earth? How many want to preach the gospel where it's never been preached before? <laughs> that's Paul's favorite right there. And, uh, you know, set your goals now and just say, God, that's what I, I, I begin to pray for those things. Speak those things out. You know, Paul says, I can't wait to get to Spain. You know, Paul never made it to Spain. We don't call Paul a failure, do you? He just sometimes we just need to shoot for the moon and well, shoot for Mars and maybe we'll get to the moon. I don't know how that works. But we're called to be be a. He says, you will be my witness. 
So Jesus is not calling you to witness. He's calling you to be a witness. You know, there's a difference. I'm a witness of what I've seen, of what I've experienced, of what I know. You'll find throughout the scriptures that Paul shared his testimony of how he came to Christ, how he got knocked off his horse on the way to persecute some Christians. He told that story three times in the book of Acts. Why did he do that over and over? Because that's how Paul won people to Jesus. He didn't get into some Greek theological mysticism trying to win people. He just said, hey, I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. Let me tell you how it happened to me. And that's what Paul did. But it's a witness and it's a, the Greek word for witness is martis. And can you guys hear what word is in that translated? It's martyr. It says, one who witness, one who testifies in legal matters or one who attests at the cost of his or her life. <laughs> now, we're not there yet in America. Yet. Do I think we'll, may, we may be there soon if we don't rise up, I'm telling you. I don't know what the future holds. But we have to be ready to be a witness. We have to be ready at any time to witness what we've experienced, what we've seen, what God has done in our life. Is We have to acknowledge that and speak that out. So T.L. Osborne said, this is the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to empower gospel believers to witness convincingly. Everybody say convincingly. That wasn't very convincing. Let's all say that one more time. Convincingly. <laughs> I know, not the easiest word to say, but I got, I got you. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, risen from the dead, and is the author and mediator of redemption. That's our message. So what's the goal? It's not that people believe in God. That's not the answer. Demons believe in God. Are demons saved? No, good answer. All right, you guys are good. Smart bunch here today. So it has to be the acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is God's son. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, he says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that awesome? That's the confession and the belief that saves a person. It doesn't have to be anything complicated, but it has to be a personal decision and that's the basis of salvation, is belief and confession. It's not church attendance. Can, I, can your pastor tell you? Church attendance won't save you. There's a lot of things that won't save you, but you should keep doing. Eating won't save you, but you should keep eating, let me tell you. There's things that must be done, we ought to be doing, but that doesn't mean it's what saves us. And so I love what this scripture says here in Mark 16, 20. And it says, then the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. I'm going to say that again. That he validated the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. So it's important that we realize that God's given us the authority and the power and the ability our job is to tell people the truth, but it's also our job to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to pray for people, and watch what God will do. 
There's so many times. I can tell you, when we, you know, we have a, our food ministry, and people are coming through, I said, what can I pray for you for? He says, man, I got this surgery coming up. Would you pray for me? Sure. And these are like 10-second prayers. They're not even very good prayers. I'm like handing them food, and Father, we bless this person's back. We curse sickness. We bless them. Thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And then about a month later, they come back and say, man, I had to cancel my surgery. Or just miracles that are taking place. Because we just stopped 10 seconds, and they're not very good prayers. <laughs> but he's good at his job, and I made myself available to him. And that's all the Lord is asking you to do is make yourself available to him. You've got you to gotta step out and say, God, this is what we're called to do. So we need clarity. We need love. We need an opportunity. That's what we're offering you guys on Saturdays, though we should have a lifestyle evangelism. It should just be our life. I know my wife was ministering somebody at Trader Joe's. Anybody like Trader Joe's here? You know, it's such a good place to shop. But we won't get distracted, will we? And uh, just ministering to the, the cashier in a powerful testimony that, that comes just from stopping and hearing the Lord and feeling God. And what, what do you want me to say, Lord? He wants to use us all. The last thing is, number four, is go. Yes. <laughs> go. Too many churches are ready, aim. Ready, aim. Ready, aim. Ready, aim. Nobody says fire. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying we shouldn't prepare ourselves or get ready and aim and particularly what we need to do. But somebody's got to say fire. We have to go. You can't have the gospel unless you have the first two letters are go. G-O, go. So we have to go. Now we have to remember, you know, Luke 10:3 says, Jesus said, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. We are going to be in difficult situations. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to be rejected. But can I tell you, the benefit package is awesome. <laughs> and just because it's hard, or even sometimes seemingly unfruitful. When I have an unfruitful evangelistic encounter, I'm praying for that person when I go home. I should be praying for them if, even if it's successful. But Lord... Thank you for ministering to that person with that hard heart. And pe some people say, you know what? Well, if I don't go, God will raise up someone else to do it. God will pull out somebody else to get the job done. No, he won't. We are his plan A and his plan B. If we don't go, the blood is on our hands. If we don't go, the job doesn't get done. We have to go. We are, we are his hands and his feet. We are his voice. And we are equipped to go. Matthew 10, 7, 8 says, And as you go, everybody say go. Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. So remember, what we've received from the Lord, we're just giving out to other people. <laughs> I freely received. Hallelujah. It's not like I've, I've worked so hard to be a Christian. No, you didn't. You're like a blind squirrel bumped into an acorn. Come on. You know? It just, you're like, thank God. I have this message. I have this good news. And I want to share it. You're not allowed to share it. You can't share it in public places. Yes, you can. We have to be bold. We have to push back. You know, there's a lot of lies out there that have said, that we can't do things in, in government-run stuff. You know, everything the government says they run was started by Christians. 
the universities, started by Christians, the schools, started by Christians, the hospitals, started by Christians, and they're telling us to leave? Come on. You know, our, our, our Constitution, it was created to be established. The pillars of that are religion and morality. If you take out those pillars, it falls. And look what's happening today. What's happening today in our government-run schools or government-run, you know, well, hospitals, but they basically are government-run. Our universities. What's happening? They've removed those pillars of religion and morality, and they're destructive. And they were created and founded with the gospel message at the core. Come on. Don't kick me out. That's, these are the foundations. So we're called to go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And we have to remember what I love about the story about Paul is when he got the message, I mean, he spent time getting prepared and trained. But in Acts 19, it said that Paul, he was able to share the gospel with everyone in Asia in, in two years. And this is without Twitter. This is without mass mailing, phones, anything. He was able to get the message known. Can I read that to you? Acts 19, 9 and 10. It says, Paul took the disciples with him and had discussions daily. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. What's our excuse? <laughs> I think we need some fire, don't you? I think we need an encounter. I think we need to just embrace our job description and watch and see what God will do with a bunch of misfits like us. Come on. You ready for let God use you? Let's stand together. We're going to go ahead and partake in, in the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. And we can put on some background music. And um, what we want to do at this time is um, if you're on this side, just start a lineup. And let's go ahead and get our, uh, our elements and let's go ahead and just gather around front and let's partake of the body and blood of Jesus together. This side can go over there and uh, let's go ahead and remember what Jesus did for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing today. And as you get the elements, just come on up front and let's just take a few moments and ask ourselves, Lord, today we talked about clarity, love. We talked about opportunities and we talked about going. If you take the first words of all those letters, it spells clog. And I want to ask today, what, what is clogging you? How many have ever had a clog in their sink before, right? The pipe was clogged with things, with stuff that kept the flow from happening. And this morning, we want to, we want to just ask the Lord, Lord, what is that area of my life that is clogging your flow from coming through me, from hindering the flow. And some of you are flowing, but how many know we just sometimes need like a roto-rooter cleansing right here, that God will completely 
set us free and get us flowing with everything that he has. You're good, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is addressing the churches. And he says, I've handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. That same night on which he was handed over, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And this is always begins, the story of communion always begins with the betrayal that, take, that took place. That Jesus was betrayed by a close person in his life. And as we take the body, just hold that up. And if there's anyone you need to forgive, just forgive them now. Anyone has hurt you, just say, Father, I forgive them. I choose. Anyone has betrayed you, Father, this morning I choose to forgive them for the betrayal and for the hurt that they caused me. And I, I forgive them. I release them from my judgment and my anger. And I forgive as you have forgiven me. It says this, that he took the bread and he gave thanks. Then he distributed to the disciples and said, take it and eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's partake of the body. Thank you, Lord. And as we prepare to take the wine, it says he did the same with the cup of wine. After supper, he said, this cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it, and whenever you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. And as we hold this cup up, let's remember that as we have partaken in his body, we also partake in the cleansing power of his blood. And today, Lord, whatever is holding us back, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, today we just declare that as we partake in this cup that represents your blood, that demons leave, that sickness leaves, that fear leaves, anything clogging my life is unclogged today in the name of Jesus, that I am delivered, I am healed, and I'm set free because of the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we do this today in remembrance of what you did for us. Let's partake of the wine. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are retelling this story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. Father, I bless this people today. I thank you for the calling and the mantle that you placed upon them to go and to do your work, the work of evangelism. Father, I thank you that you have equipped them and empowered them by your Holy Spirit. And Father, I'd be amiss to not ask, if you're here today, and what I said to you has convicted your heart, that, Pastor, I can't remember the moment that I gave my life to Jesus. And today, I would like to give my life to Jesus and make him the Lord of my life. 
If you've never done that today, do not leave this building this morning until you've made that decision. Is there anyone here who's, who's never made that decision today? And you say, Pastor, today, don't be ashamed. I'm telling you, it's so good. If you've never made that decision before and you say, Pastor, today I would like to commit my life to Jesus. Is anyone here? Anyone here? Slip your hand up. Anyone here today? All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This begins with a prayer that says, pray this with me. So one hand go up. So Father, pray. let's all pray that together. Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I declare, God, you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I am saved through what I've spoken and through what I've believed. Thank you for your righteousness, for your freedom, your path for me. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. He is good. Thank you, Lord. find that countless times in the Bible, God himself actually changes someone's name. We find that Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. We find Jacob struggling with an angel and saying, what is your name? The Bible itself has over 40,000 names of persons, places. And what I've done is I've taken the 3,250 different names in the Bible and I've placed their meaning right next to the actual proper name in the scriptures. And this project has taken me five years to complete and it's called the Name Translation Bible. As a pastor, I want you to go deeper into the Word of God. And I'm giving you a tool that will save you time, save you effort, and allow you to get the greatest revelation, the deepest revelation possible as you study God's Word. We look forward to you going deeper into the Word of God through the Name Translation Bible. God bless. Hi, I'm Linda White. I'm the manager of Gateway Hunger Relief Center, and uh, I've been about here about 14 years. This has been a blessing to me and my family to be able to serve. We need your support. And the reason why we need your support is because our numbers are growing, for one thing. The need is great here in Richmond. We're able to provide fresh produce and sometimes milk and just meats and everything like that. And your donations really mean a lot to keep this program going. Uh, we also serve the seniors and we also make kiddo bags. So every child gets a bag to take home that's got mac and cheese and drink and little snacks in there for them. And we just love being able to pass these things out and bless families and if you love seeing your seeing families get blessed in richmond come donate to gateway hunger relief center
Shelby Jones. Hi, my name is JD Marker. Hi, my name is Jenny. I just love blessing the people and seeing all the smiling faces and smiling kids. I come, love coming here. It gives me something to do every day. I like to give the people God in their hearts and I like to spread the word of God around to everybody. It's been a blessing. I've been here for 14 years and I hope to do it for another 14. I don't know what I'd do without him really. I'd be home doing nothing. I just love being here and helping people. I like to give out food and help people. God bless everybody.